Welcome to the Woman on a Mission podcast. Today is May 1st, 2020, and this is episode number 009. I'm here with Brendan, the CEO of Legacy of Hope International and the Woman on a Mission. This is her podcast regarding all things Lohi and public health. Brendan has a master's degree in public health and a wealth of experience in the field of human services. My name is Derek B., and I'm your host today. Welcome, Brendan. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So today, we are going to go ahead and play another recording you've done with a guest from Life 107, Demetra, if I understand that correctly. That is correct. And from my understanding, you spoke about a whole bunch of topics, kind of a broad range, a shotgun session, you may want to call it, I guess. And uh, tell us a little bit of what to expect here in the podcast coming up. So Demetra is uh, the executive director of Life 107, and I have the pleasure of working with her uh, as a board member and have done many projects or or great partners and friends uh, through Legacy of Hope International and Life 107. And yeah, we uh, just sat down like we normally would and and had a great discussion and uh, ended up covering topics, everything from uh, trauma um, and uh, Human Trafficking Prevention 101, um, some re- great resources, books um, that I would really highly suggest people to check out if they're wanting to learn more about um, victims and um, prevention techniques. Um, we went over some of the great things that Life 107 is doing and has been doing, um, trainings in the schools, um, as well as uh, different um, outreaches. So look forward to y'all uh, listening. Any comments and questions that you have, as always, um, please send them our way and uh, look forward to us chatting. Okay. Without any further ado, we'll go ahead and play this session of Woman on a Mission, episode number nine with Demetra from Life 107. Hope you enjoy. Well, good day, everyone. So glad you could join us again on Women on a Mission podcast. This is Brendan. Um, my special guest today um, is Demetra from Life 107. We're excited to have her. She's a great friend and um, excited that I get to work along beside her. Um, what is awesome is that today, um, we're in the month of April, so it's National Child Abuse Prevention Month, so um, very appropriate that we get to have a conversation. Welcome, Demetria. How are you? Oh, doing well. Thanks for having me today, Bryn. My pleasure. My pleasure. So uh, tell us a little bit you know, more about for the listeners to know. I know we've kind of introduced them to you briefly in the past in another podcast with the Safety Party, so if you're a listener and you hadn't had a chance to listen, uh, go back. Uh, it's a couple of episodes, and we're talking about uh, National Women's Month, and she's on that one. And it tells you a little bit, a little bit um, of a teaser uh, about Demetri and Life 107. So this one, we get in more details um, about Western North Carolina, um, about child abuse, human trafficking, and very excited to see um, how this conversation goes. So if you'll introduce yourself and Life 107, that would be wonderful. Sure, Bryn. So I'm Demetria Gilliam-Williams. I'm the executive director of Life 107. Um, we are a local nonprofit working to eliminate sex trafficking and also to empower those who've been infected by um, the entire sex trade industry. So there are many components to the sex trade industry, and uh, we really try to reach into those and, and make a difference in Western North Carolina. Yeah. 
our main uh, focus areas at this point um, are prevention, empowerment, and provisions. And all those areas really are based on the reality that exploitation um, affects the mind, the body, and the spirit, and that we really try to impact all three of those areas. Um, our board, the entire Life on the Seven board, um, functions really under the conviction to meet people where they are, no matter who they are, um, with compassion, resources, and grace. That's our intent, for sure. Oh, so needed. So needed compassion. Mm -hmm. um, we, I think we're starting to see and understand the need of that more uh, with the, the COVID-19. Uh, but you can never have too much compassion. So that's wonderful. Can you name those three points again? Was it empower and provision? Yes. Yeah, so um, prevention, empowerment, and provision. So you can remember it by PEP. Um, prevention is more of our trainings, our education, anything that we really do that helps prevent more exploitation. Um, empowerment involves outreach activities, um, us offering up our mentors, um, for high-risk kiddos, um, anything that empowers a person who is either at high risk for trafficking or who's in an exploited situation, for them to come forward and, um, and be restored and find restorative help. Um, so that also includes um, the hotline uh, number being placed. We have a billboard and we're, we're actually working with lots of um, schools and hopefully in the future restaurants and hotels to have the hotline placed in bathrooms because we know research has proven that um, having that hotline accessible is one of the best ways that a person will move forward out of a trafficking situation. Provisions is mostly anything that we provide to a survivor to help them be successful in their recovery, whether it be a mentor to come alongside them um, or whether it would be um, also having a survivor hope bag uh, with items that they might need and then um, anything from gift cards to to get from one place to another with gas or um, gift cards for groceries whatever it takes to really help a survivor be successful in recovery and i i will move back just real quickly to the prevention portion where it's probably one of my favorite areas of this ministry is that the trainings and education that we're providing um, we're really focusing in on places that we know that victims are um, really well seen. So that would be like hotel areas. We're doing lots of, um, we're, we hope to do with a grant that we received through Dogwood Health Trust to do more um, trainings for hotels, also for clinical settings, because like up to 80%, 82% of victims say they came in contact with a healthcare provider while they were being exploited. So it's a, it's a great playground for clinicians to detect and recover people from these situations. Um, and then also in schools, we really, uh, we have a school safeguard education program that is um, on the state list because the NC SB 199 is a Senate bill that was passed late last year um, to get all, it's a requirement for all North Carolina school staff to be trained against trafficking. So it's wonderful that our state is stepping up and making this a requirement. So we're hopping on board. We've already trained um, the uh, Board of Education in McDowell County and all of their counselors and social workers. And um, it is really kind of picking up and we hope to be able to do more uh, in the near future. We 
So at the end, we'll get more of a plug on how people can contact you. But just real quick, I'm assuming you can do those online with everything that's going on. Is that correct? You know, we really could. We have an upcoming training for foster parents that's also open to some local DSS workers. Um, and we're doing that through a webinar software that we um, will be using. So it is possible if this, uh, if this COVID uh, shutdown really continues on, we could do these trainings um, through webinar software. Wonderful, wonderful. So would they, do they need to email you, call you? What's the best way to get in contact with you if they're interested in that? Sure, I would say, um, so I would say email is the best way, director at life, life107.org. Um, or of course you can call or text me at 866-272-5209. And we'll just discuss how, and um, what's included in that training. And um, it really hits the points of the state mandate. Good. Good. And and that'll be wonderful because I'm sure um, there's so much going on that a lot of that's gotten lost in the shuffle, mm -hmm. um, but that is the state mandate. So that'll be important for people to fulfill and know for many reasons. Uh, so we're at the end of the podcast, listeners, just so you know, uh, we'll repeat that and I'll make sure I put it in the little comment box for people to kind of have a reference to as well, as well as the website. Um, but to move forward, um, I also want to share the trafficking hotline, the billboard that you're talking about currently, um, I believe is right there off a of tunnel road um, in Asheville, North Carolina. Is that it correct? It is. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful, by the way. Um, and, and that number, just so people have that handy, is one 373-7888 or 1-888-373-7888. Depends on how you will memorize that the easiest. Right. So, so and we'll have that um, as well in the comment box. So, so moving forward, um, just curious, can you tell a little bit about how you got involved uh, with Life 107 and how long you've been with them and then how long Life 107 has been around. Oh, sure. So Life 107 became an official nonprofit in 2013. And for a long while, they were doing some ground reach and then moved to a call center. So um, volunteers were pulling up ads for, um, for humans for sale on the online market and were literally reaching out through uh, the numbers there to offer help, offer the hotline um, or anything really that was needed. Um, but we've made a transition beginning in 2019 to kind of hop into those three main um, focus areas. And um, so we are really focusing on um, really shaking the ground at this point so that this next generation is improved and moving toward more toward the elimination of trafficking. Um, so how I got into this position really is a divine alignment. Um, I, I cannot talk about um, how I became the director of Life 107 without talking about uh, my maker. Um, 20 years ago, I received a, um, an undergrad, a BS in public health, and really had a heart for HIV STD prevention. Did some outreach efforts, and then also was um, teaching in a local high school um, early. I was trying to prevent early onset sexuality um, because it was just dear to my heart. Uh, to really reach youth and teens and kind of drop that, set that aside for about 20 years and um, was a stay-at-home mom, the most blessed position ever, and uh, then received my degree in uh, my master's in Christian ministry and really began to focus in on spirituality and faith and um, 
so when I saw Life 107 online, I'm just, I was so compelled and knew that uh, it's like God brought back up what had laid dormant for a while and that um, this, this fight syndrome to stand against something that severely breaks his heart. And I wanted to come alongside Life on Seven in any way um, possible. At the time, I was uh, working on my own online ministry, Blooming by Grace Ministries, and um, I was doing a lot of writing. But God placed me into this position after preparing me for quite a while. Um, and uh, I have, I really, every time I think about what he did um, to bring me to this place, I am just so grateful and it, it brings him much praise because um, he was in this. And um, so I, I do have to share a quick story. When, right before I came on board, I was reading the book Renting Lacey by Linda Smith and most everyone who works against uh, this industry has read this book because it is uh, vivid depictions of what is really happening to these young ladies and boys. And um, it was a heavy weight for me because I was fairly new at understanding trafficking. And um, so I was reading these pages and they were just, you know, really busting up my heart. And um, I walked into a local coffee shop. My husband and I love to go there and, and just sit and chat. And this young girl came in she was about eight eight to ten years old and and she was just precious and she um was with a caregiver and she got her hot chocolate i'm assuming it was hot chocolate and um she sat in a chair right next to me and i just i just watched her and um her little feet weren't quite long enough to hit the floor uh her little feet were just dangling and, and she was sitting there and uh, very conscious of how she held herself and then uh, she would sip her hot chocolate and she was the epitome of innocence and purity and it literally broke my heart to tears um, because uh, what this industry the sex trade industry is doing is stripping innocence and purity and the sense of value from um, young girls and young boys and it really struck a place in my heart and it filled my fire against trafficking um my goal and the goal of life 107 as well is to make a mark to make a wound on this industry though the industry that just destroys and exploits and strips the humanity from these precious kiddos um, so it was one part of my story that that drove me to want to do more against the sex trade. You brought up a really uh, good subject there uh, that I know we weren't really planning on talking about um, in some ways, but indirectly that I think we should touch on. And, and that is how our world around us uh, for a long time its goals have been to strip the innocence um, that a child, there, it's almost like there's no such thing as a child being born innocent. Um, now there's different def definitions of that. And I'm aware of that as well as I'm saying that, um, but there are, there are groups, and this is gonna be kind of controversial, but there's groups out there that literally um, believe that, you know, pedophilia oh, wow. is, um, is normal. <laughs> and should be accepted. There's been doctors who have done experiments 
uh, on infants and children's at a university, um, you know, years ago, um, that is still prevalent and, mm. and believed in. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit on that, kind of what you've learned? Yeah, sure. So I think that's evil at its worst. Um, and I think people who, I know for a while, uh, the LGBTQ community was being grouped with pedophilia, um, which I think that, um, that first of all, is not fair to the LGBTQ society. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if they would, uh, I hope that they catch on quickly that they don't want to be categorized with pedophilia. And I think that would actually taint the, um, taint the, all the work that the LGBTQ community has done to gain, um, commonality and common ground in this society because pedophilia is a complete different category. It is the, um, the stripping of, of the innocence of a child, just like we spoke about earlier, that, um, that if we can't protect our, our young ones and our elderly, we've gotten something majorly wrong in this society. And I'm glad that the state and the nation recognizes that um, that children are children for the most part. If they're under 18, um, they cannot exchange sex for something in a in a right mentality. I think our children need to be um, swinging on swings, laughing and playing, and they need to be preserved for that intimate partner who deserves to actually have um, have that in their life. So I know one of the things that um, that I love to to teach on and educate people on the reality of the the entertainment industry, marketing industry. I mean, a lot of us know, you know, that old saying, "Sex sells." Sadly, um, but we've allowed that oh. in our culture. And and as a female, uh, I know growing up. I literally believed, and I, I'm not the only one, that, okay, to be successful, not only do I need to have smarts, but I remember I remember someone telling me, without telling who that person is, that, oh, you have an upper hand because you're a female, because you can use that to your advantage to get ahead. Wow. And, and that stuck with me mm. for a very long time. Now it sticks with me in a different way, because I'm like, no, wow. we are equal man and woman, we are equal, whether you're a Christian or not, I think a lot of people can agree to that. Um, and we should, be, I should say, and it either now I think in our generation, you can see either side using their physique to try and get ahead. Um, when that should have nothing to do when it comes to who you are, your identity, um, and your wisdom should have nothing to do with what you look like and what people consider that you to look like. I mean, is that adds shame that adds all kinds of misconceptions? Um, but there's great research just to add out there um, for our listeners. Um, Judith Risman, uh, who's a PhD that won a court case many years ago um, with the, the government um, against Playboy. Risman won the Playboy uh, libel suit. And uh, so I would say, look that up. Uh, you, and there's also um, an article called Exposing the Kinsey Sex Cult. Um, so that could be a whole nother podcast in itself. I don't want to go down that road. Um, but is there anything else that you want to add to that that kind of 
brings us back to life in 07 in our everyday reality. Well, sure, I do think that um, you hit on culture and how that plays into our view of women being objects. And uh, for for the statement to be made that because you're a woman, you have an, an, an asset uh, to use that no one else does is really just um, professing what the culture believes that a woman is powerful based on her objectivity and her sexuality. And I think we have quite a bit of work to do um, to reverse that and to show this next generation that a woman is powerful because she simply is a woman. She has the capacity um, mm. to give birth, to nurse her young, um, to take care of children, to, to have amazing places in the workforce, to achieve greatly professionally, um, to go to any school she desires and to do anything that she would want, um, not because she's sexual and not because she's an object. And so that's um, one thing that we would, that would be great to add to, um, our youth safeguard education. When, when we do youth safeguard ed to youth groups and um, hopefully to classrooms, we touch on a gamut of issues. And I think that's one that we'd like to add to that. We talk about um, pornography because it is linked to the sex trade. And uh, we talk about um, protecting themselves, teens protecting themselves at social gatherings or parties, if you will, um, because eventually most every teen uh, whether in high school or college, is going to end up in uh, in an environment where they're going to have to know skills to protect themselves from exploitation. So um, adding this this cultural um, stigma uh, against objectifying women should should be something that uh, should we we should address in that in that education for sure. Yeah. And then it brings it circle to the LBGTQ. And that's one of the things that I know a lot of people agree, disagree as well. The he, they, she, um, that those, those, those um, terms that we use, they um, are changing. I think in some ways it's very good and very powerful because it, it's reminding us it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter if I'm male, female, um, whatever, there shouldn't be a label that you automatically judge yes. me on without knowing me. Um, so there's a lot of good in that in that movement. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about um, the anchor bags and some other things that that like one. Yeah. So doing. along with uh, the hotline placement for outreach efforts, um, we are developing some anchor life kits, and um, they are just wonderful little treasures. We have a, an amazing volunteer who um, found her place quickly with us, knew that she was an, an avid sewer, and she has researched and come up with an amazing. Um, I guess, pattern to make these handheld outreach packets. And um, our hope is to let people be involved by making these, by hand sewing them, um, really for the for the older generation who still wants to sew and give something back. You know, that's something that they can be involved in, but also to collect items for these and then for us to deliver them. And um, the ALKs are really stuffed with all kinds of daily care items and items to make um, a young lady or a young boy even to feel 
a sense of worth and a sense of value. We want them to receive this gift and to realize that um, they're so precious that they are worthy of a good and gracious gift and that they matter. They matter to their maker and they matter to us. Um, so these ALKs will be handed out, um, hopefully, in clinical settings after we do a clinical training. We're looking at a, a couple of options there. We will have them on hand for these clinics so that if a, an individual, a patient, meets high indicators of being trafficked, or if they are a high-risk kiddo, that they are able to hand this off. Um, and the ALK also has the human trafficking hotline in it, which is one of the most important items. And um, so they'll have this in hand, they'll have that human trafficking hotline and they'll be reminded of their value. We're also hoping eventually to do a type of street outreach. It's gonna be very, I would say non-conformist. Uh, I began to pray toward street outreach in early 2019 <laughs> and we're all thinking, wow, it's been a year ago um, because I honestly thought, okay, I wanna do this now. Let's jump on the street, let's go get and um and god was pulling us back just just wait till he's ready to release these in hand and it, i have loved watching it pull together the the form of this anchor life kit um the vision he has given to where these will go and um we're just so looking forward to seeing these in the hands of uh, people who need them that that is exciting now let me ask you this as far as lake 107 the anchor bags and and the other um, outreaches and education that you do. Um, what is the age that you kind of are zoning in on? Is there a certain age? Okay, based or? on um, where we will be reaching, I would say probably not anyone younger than 13 or 14, because where we will be going, they will most likely have to be mobile and independent in a in a sense, other than clinical settings. Um, so I would say between 13 and 21 reaching up into that that range. Okay. Well, it's, that makes sense because I know, I think according to RAIN um, and some other statistics, I think it's age 12 to 34, you're highest at risk of, of rape and sexual assault. Um, obviously, um, age, I think the difference shared hope international says 10 to 12, um, you're potentially trafficked age, but as far as sexual assault, I think it's like 12 to 34. Is that what you, you I think, remember? yeah, Sheriff Hope mentions 12 to 14. Um, what we're seeing in research, the median age seems to be 15, 16, based on um, really focus groups that focus in on survivors. So it's kind of anywhere between 12 and 16. Is that? Okay, that's changed then. That's changed because it used to be much younger. Yeah. So that's I interesting. Think, uh, for, um, for someone who's under the age of 10 or 10, hands down, it seems to be 100% are trafficked by family members. And then um, the other scenario of pimp boyfriend victim scenario is more likely for the, the 12 to 16 range. But you bring up another good subject, the familia, the, those that have been trafficked by their, their family. Um, is there anything that you wanted to kind of share to kind of help people understand what that looks like? Because I think it, anywhere, but since you're in Western North Carolina, people don't necessarily identify that as something that's going right, on in definitely. their neighborhood. So oftentimes we talk about the pimp or boyfriend victim scenario, which looks often like um, a pimp who uh, really woos or grooms a young lady or young boy in, pretends to play the boyfriend friend role, and then manipulates her into being sold. So that is what we usually keep our eye on in terms of, of trafficking scenarios. 
But in Western North Carolina and nationally, really, but specifically for us because we are rural and because we have some impoverished um, areas in Buncombe County, we have two sets of scenarios that we, we really cannot miss and shouldn't. Um, and one of those is familial trafficking, which I call backdoor trafficking, and then the other is survival sex. Um, familial actually happens, the scenario works out in terms of um, a family member who is selling a child, either for an exchange of money, uh, rent payment, um, food, uh, drugs. It could be a mom who has a drug habit, sells kiddo. It could be um, an uncle who has to make rent, sells niece who lives with him. So it's, um, it's kind of a child being sold out the back door. And I would say more than anyone, a school environment is going to pick up on that. Um, so if, if we're focused in, though, on just noticing the pimp victim scenario, then we're going to miss a major gap that's really probably occurring heavily in Western North Carolina. Um, also, survival sex. I know Lohi and Bryn herself, is, they just have hearts for the homeless and, and high-risk youth as well as, as Life One and Seven. Um, survival sex really is rampant among homeless and runaway youth. Because what it is, is when a, a child has to, or a teen or a young adult, um, has to exchange themselves for something that they need, a basic need, um, a survival need, which would be a place to stay, a safe person to be within, a meal, um, Covenant House, which is an amazing um, uh, organization. They, they have a stat that mentions one in every five homeless kids um, will be trafficked. So um, it is within within days, uh, a heavy amount of homeless kids are approached because traffickers and buyers both know what to look for, know those signs and know that these teens are very vulnerable. Um, so that's how those two scenarios can play out. And it's so important for us to know how that looks and what that looks like. Now, you sent me a stat the other day that's based on Buckingham County on homeless that they've found from their school records, um, kids that are potentially homeless. Sure. So Could when we saw the chart, that? we were all kind of surprised as to the uptick in the homeless population. It has significantly increased over the past couple of years. Um, last that they collected data was 18 and 19. So 2018, 19, there were 588 uh, homeless youth in Buncombe County. That is staggering. I don't even know right off the top of my head how to put that in perspective for people because that's that's just, do you remember the population? Of the no, it is pretty, uh, pretty uh, broad categories, uh, but I do think that it includes couch surfing. Yeah. And I think we often forget how couch surfing um, expose a young girl or young boy, not just to trafficking, but to sexual abuse and to other abuse because they're in a home and hopping from home to home um, with no one in that home that's emotionally attached to them. So they're definitely uh, at risk as well. Yeah, it is just overwhelming to think that we have that many kiddos at specifically high risk for being exploited in, in our area. Right. And that's just that Buncombe County, that school system that has yeah. done those statistics. That's not anywhere else. And those are the ones 
that they've been able to, you know, however they figured out their stats, um, to know that they are potentially homeless or are homeless. And so I can't even imagine because most of them, you're not going to know uh, because, you know, you, you have, I mean, I hate to say it, but you probably right. have um, those that are homeschooled um, that nobody's going to know about. Um, you're going to have those that, you know, are inconsistent to begin with or just moved here for a couple of months um, and then they're moving on to another town. Um, so they're on anybody's radar. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's huge. Okay, that's huge. 588 just in Buncombe County. Right, and we can all, just in that is, an, oh yeah. It's a huge county. Yeah, exactly. And we can assume as well that that's an understatement <laughs> that not all are recorded. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And I would like to add too as well that the LGBTQ youth are specifically and even um, even more so at high risk for homelessness and also for trafficking. It is it's staggering to see um, the high rates of LGBTQ youth being trafficked and homeless because oftentimes they're being forced out of their home based on their gender identity and sexual identity. So um, we have a huge heart to defend and protect um, this specific group against trafficking in Life Room 7. Yeah, that's overwhelming. I did look up, it looks like according to Bucknam County, North Carolina Data USA, and um, a couple other sites, the census between uh, 2010 and 2018 um, was about okay. 238 thousand people population just in Buckingham County. Um, I don't know that 100%, but that's looked like what I'm pulling up. So, um, and we have to remember, um, there's a lot of people that don't live here full time. So it depends on when that census is done, if that's taken into consideration, because mm -hmm. I didn't really look at the report. Wow. Well, so, yeah, yeah. So um, as we stated earlier, this is the, the national, excuse me, the National Child Abuse Prevention Month. And uh, since we're kind of talking about some stats, and I know you've got some, some things you want to share about that as well. Um, they say uh, in child welfare, the government site, that there's 4.3 million reports were made from child protection services concerning safety and well-being of approximately 7.8 million wow children. Last year, an estimated 678,000 children were found. They were actually found to be victims of child abuse oh, and goodness. neglect nationwide. 678,000. And that's just reported. And that's just the ones proved because it says they were actually found to be victims of child abuse and neglect. Um, which that is child abuse. I don't know why they separate it, but mm -hmm. you know, for statistics, I'm sure they need to. You know, what are what are some some things you've found and why are sure. you so well, I think, passionate um, about children yourself? Bethel Vanderkolk would would definitely reflect what you mentioned with the stats. Um, in his book, The Body Keeps the Score, and um, he mentioned that child abuse is our nation's mm -hmm. largest public health problem. Um, I think we forget the oftentimes how child abuse affects trafficking and a lot of trafficking um, agencies are focusing in on that and remembering that trauma is directly connected with trafficking and child abuse is traumatic. 
um, I think it's 95% of Covenant House states that 95% of trafficking victims were abused as children, not just sexual abuse, but um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, and neglect. So I would go so far as to say um, that child abuse is the most effective grooming tool for the sex trade industry. If, if a child is being set up to be sold um, and exploited in the industry, um, they are most likely abused. And so, you know, with Child Abuse Prevention Month, I am kind of in awe that it is in April, right in the center of this COVID issue, because I can only imagine the uptick in, um, in stress inside of a home, and especially for children who are abused in the home at this point. Um, it's a bit overwhelming, um, but there is a major trafficking trauma connection um, because when a child is abused, it does something, it creates a crack and that crack can later be used in their foundation, can you be used by a pimp because he's gonna try to pretend to fill that gap, pretend to fill that need that that young girl or boy needs. It, um, it also destroys a sense of value. There's something about, um, being abused as a child that really strips that um, sense of value and self-esteem from a, a child. And it actually stunts the capacity. Um, when we look at the connection between trauma as a child and trafficking as a teen, um, they have been stunted for as a child um, with the capacity to make informed decisions. If you know um, anything about trauma, we know that when uh, something occurs in a child's life, then the, the brain is shifted and it often is harder to make informed decisions as, uh, as they grow older and also harder to recognize danger um, because they've been living in or exposed to such a dangerous situation that oftentimes when they are face-to-face um, -face with um, someone who is really a pimp or someone who wants to um, exploit them, they, they really have a hard time recognizing that. And um, so child abuse plays heavily into um, what we try to do against the exploitation of, of humans. Yeah. I know you guys, low mm -hmm. Yeah, and when you look mm -hmm. at stats globally, um, you know, 35% of women really have experienced physical or sexual violence like that's a, a new a UN um, I remember that just kind of globally third and that's just women that's the, that they identify as women um, and knowing that it's so often um, is found in reports that in a human trafficking survivor um, that we've gotten to know or you know research has been done they were quite often abandoned and abused at some point um, before they were trafficked. So it becomes like a normalcy. Um, and it's and then you know, we we're talking about the homeless population earlier. We've also got the survival sex right. type of things. As yeah, well. and I could imagine this being true for domestic violence cases as well, that they're used to, you said the word perfectly, normalcy. This has become a normal for them to be abused and to be devalued. And so that's what they settle into later on in life. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have touched on so many different things when it comes to abuse and trauma and victimization and, and children. And, and um, you've done a very quick overview of Life 107. 
um, as we talked even before we started chatting um, here on the podcast, uh, we definitely need to have more conversations. And um, I'm excited about, you know, meeting with other organizations and other people that we already work with to really dive in deeper into these topics for people to understand. Because if you're listening to this and you're, you could be a victim and may not even realize it. And I want you to have the resources, or if you are, you might know someone that you're like, well, I think they're like maybe in an abusive relationship, but they're always, you know, they're kind of asking for, you know, even our biases because of way we look and identify people in communities. Right. Um, nobody asks to be abused. Um, and so there's so many different conversations that we could have with this, but, um, Demetria, what is something that you want to make sure that people know about Life 107 or um, just in general oh, before um, we close out this podcast? Oh, that who, no matter who you are or what you've been through, that that does not, um, that does not make you who you are, that um, your maker loves you. Um, and I don't say that lightly. He delights in you uh, no matter what. And um Life 107, um, we want to reflect the grace that he's given to us and to make sure that um, you receive that, uh, whether that is, whether whether you're a survivor or a victim or whether you are struggling right now with pornography, uh, whether or not um, you are a mom who's trying to figure out how to talk with your kids uh, or a youth pastor who wants to have uh, some protection over your youth. Uh, we want to come alongside you where you are and meet you there and help in any way that we can. Um, Bren, I so appreciate the opportunity um, to be here today and to, to tell what we are working on and who we're available for. And I love what you're doing through Woman on a Mission. You are bringing some amazing topics to the surface and um, I hope people are able to hear this in Western North Carolina. Me too. Me too. And thank you so much, um, like I said, for your friendship and all that you're doing and uh, being willing to make the time to, to have this conversation and being willing to um, just dive into mm -hmm. some topics that sure, not everybody's comfortable with. You too. Thanks so much. All right. Well, you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. And we're back. That was quite a broad spectrum of information you gave us there. Yeah, it was almost a little bit of overload, I'm sure. So hopefully, um, like I said before and always, if you have any questions, let us know. And we're going to have more conversations. Uh, we're going to have more recordings following up, digging into specific topics, uh, because obviously that was a lot of information. So tell us how they can get in touch with you, your audience here, if they want to contact you or find out more about trainings or information, referrals. How can they get in contact with you? So um, Legacy of Hope International, CEO at gmail.com or going straight to our website, which is lohintl.com. So that's L-O-H-I-N-T-L.com. And that uh, has a link where you can get directly in contact with me. Uh, there's also our social media, Instagram, Legacy of Hope International, 
um, as well as Facebook, Legacy of Hope International. So many ways to reach out to us. Uh, let us know, you know, if you're interested in a safety party, um, if you're interested in a blessing bags, or if you're interested in helping us um, globally more with Cambodia. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we just thank you so much for your support and all these different partners that are coming together so we can prevent and protect our children um, as well as our family and friends. Very good. So, and we'll probably go ahead and put the notes for Life 107, how to contact them in the show description, if you can provide that for us. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I'm going to, we can put that in there. And then, um, because I said, I think even in the, in the discussion that we would repeat that. Um, and I think that's going to be the best way to handle that. So we'll put her email, phone number she gave us and the website. Great. So if you're looking for contact information, look in the show notes. There'll be links you can click on that'll take you right to where you need to be. So uh, anything you want to add before we close this episode up? I would say as far as uh, resources that we had mentioned, since that was a lot of information, um, definitely, if you can, uh, Renting Lacey by Linda Smith, uh, who is a former senator who does Shared Hope International. Great resource. Cannot um, emphasize that enough, as well as The Body Keeps Score. Um, is another book about trauma, and uh, we all can learn a lot from that because it's pretty fascinating how our brain and our body, if you've been through any type of trauma, whether it's, you know, to the trafficking or whether it's just an emotional from something in your childhood, uh, it could it could definitely uh, be very helpful. Okay, so we'll list that for you in the show notes. Thank you for listening again to Woman on a Mission podcast. My name's Derek, and we appreciate your time and listening and support. Please share this podcast with others and uh, reach out and let us know if you need any information or need to contact Brendan and her organization or some of her uh, agencies she works with. She may be able to refer you for help. So again, thank you for listening. We'll have another episode next week. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.